Welcome to Karkatech's third quarter 2023 results call. My name is Aki Vesikallio. I'm from Karkatech's IR. Today's results will be presented by Karkatech CEO and interim president of Kalmar, Kasimir Lindholm, CFO Mikko Puolakka and HIEF's president Scott Phillips. The presentation will be followed by a Q&A session. Please pay attention to the disclaimer in the presentation as we will be making forward-looking statements. With that, over to you, Casimir. Thank you, Aki. And uh, welcome also from my behalf um, to this report and, and webcast. Um, all in all, uh, third quarter um, was uh, on a good level for us this third quarter in a row when we are performing on a good level. Uh, we can see some of the delayed decision-making around uh, especially more expensive products in our products ranges, both in Kalmar and Hayab. And we'll come back to that a bit later in more detail. Uh, we are also announcing an action, uh, a plan to, to target uh, 50 million cost savings, uh, mainly for 24. Uh, and we'll come back to that, how that is divided and how we are approaching uh, that cost savings program. Uh, the planned separation of Kalmar and Haya progressing according to plan. Um, and uh, with that said, Pekka um, Alepetila is now no longer available for the standalone Kalmar board. Uh, so we have an ongoing recruitment process regarding both uh, chairman of the board to be for Kalmar and, and uh, CEO to be for, for Kalmar. As mentioned, uh, we have now three quarters in a row uh, on a very solid level uh, regarding our operating profit. Uh, really happy to see the performance in, in Kalmar, Hayab and McGregor. Uh, both Kalmar and Hayab uh, performing on, on a very good level. And, and extra happy to see that McGregor is uh, second quarter now in a row uh, on the positive side. And the turnaround in McGregor is progressing according to plan. Uh, sales uh, increased and uh, then, of course, uh, as expected, our orders decreased by, by 20%. Uh, we are clearly um, seeing patterns that in, in the more um, expensive product ranges, the, the drop is, is, uh, is clearly seen. And then we have other uh, product ranges and businesses where we see a, a very good order intake also in, in Q3. But we'll come back to that more specifically uh, in the sections around Kalmar and, and Haya. Orders received uh, back to the pre-COVID level. So if you compare Q3-23 uh, with the similar quarters in 2018-2019, we are back roughly on those levels. Uh, and again, we'll come back to how the split is between Kalmar, Haya and McGregor, and then even within those businesses. Um, the order book remains on a healthy and good level uh, above 3 billion uh, going into to 24. Um, we have a, a large part of the order backlog uh, is securing the, the 24 uh, net sales. Comparable operating profit here you can see on a cargo tech level, this is the third quarter in a row and we are on a very good level. Uh, Kalmar uh, and Hayab. Uh, close to each other uh, performance-wise, and, and then you can see the, the two quarters here that are very positive and a positive change in, in McGregor um, and, and the market also supporting that going forward. Service sales continue to grow, and of course this is an instrumental part uh, for Cargotech also going forward and an instrumental part in the standalone companies to be in their strategy for the years to come. And, and we can see potential here to grow service and spare parts also, also going forward. But a good development and, and the trend continues on a positive, in a positive way. The same said around the eco portfolio, it's an instrumental part of the strategy for Cargotech and the standalone businesses to be as well. And we have taken steps here uh, to secure that growth also going forward. We'll come back with an example uh, around Kalmar, how we are progressing on the EV side in, in Kalmar through an acquisition. Then uh, the announcement of the cost savings program, uh, 
these steps are, are taking to secure uh, a good uh, and healthy business also going forward. That means that we're targeting to be above 10% comparable operating profit in the core businesses, also in a slower market. Uh, and this, of course, uh, requires actions now. So we're looking at 24 and even partly 25 uh, in this cost savings program. Um, and and it, this is, of course, building uh, a foundation so that we can continue to improve, continue to invest in R&D uh, and uh, grow the business on the service side. Uh, and this is then giving that platform for the next couple of years. The cost program is divided between then group functions, Kalmar and Hayeb. So we're targeting 10 million savings on group level, uh, 20 on Kalmar and, and, and 20 on Hayeb level as well. Uh, roughly 50% of the cost savings will uh, be achieved from reduction of maximum 350 roles globally. The estimated one of cost is 20 million euros. Um, targeting to, to get this process uh, through as, as uh, fast as possible, uh, and parts of these costs will be uh, recorded at, as part of, of Q4 results. And uh, very important to see the change here, that the cost would be booked above the comparable operating profit. Uh, from now onwards, we see that when we are adjusting up or down in the businesses, that should be part of, of our day-to-day -day operations going forward and, and, uh, and get away from these restructuring programs that we have had in the, in the past. Um, then on top of this, uh, we have had uh, similar activities in uh, McGregor throughout uh, 23 and, and all in all uh, that impacts 280 roles in uh, McGregor mainly in the offshore business and mainly in Norway. Uh, so our offshore business from a net sales perspective is, is clearly uh, coming down and a profitability perspective, that, that is a, a good thing. But we need to adjust here as well. Uh, and all in all, with the new cost savings program and, and with the ongoing activities in McGregor, uh, this has an impact of roughly 650 roles uh, within CargoTech and that is a bit less than 5% of our total personnel that will be impacted or has been impacted by these initiatives. And for, for McGregor, estimated restructuring cost approximately 20 million euros in, in 2023. So these actions are uh, then impacting uh, Q4 from a cost perspective. Then uh, I'll give the floor to Scott Phillips. Uh, Scott will present uh, Hayab and where we are in Hayab. Please, Scott, the floor is yours. And good morning from my side as well. So I will guide you through the Hayab results for Q3. Uh, I'd characterize the quarter as a continued strong execution in our product supply centers as well as our customer support centers. So uh, very nice job by Team Hyab within the quarter and that's continued nicely throughout the year. Uh, on, the, uh, on the side of the orders, um, I have the same story to tell you that we still experience um, impacts through delayed decision making. That combined with uh, three other factors that I'll go into details on the next slide. Uh, continue to have some impact in our orders as well as the seasonality that we've talked about uh, in the past with regards to Q3. Equipment and service sales improved quite nicely and that uh, enabled a, a nice development in operating profit improvement uh, right in line with our expectations in terms of positive operating leverage slightly below 30%. I would like to start off with, uh, with telling you about uh, one of our exciting innovations within the quarter. So we've developed a solution um, through the use of virtual reality technology, and we call this high skill. So it's a training simulator designed to help customers onboard and provide ongoing training to crane operators in a safe, scalable, and cost-effective way. This is uh, our response to the continued challenge that our customers experience in terms of operator shortage and especially skilled crane operator shortage. 
So the solution is designed to uh, help improve certification pass rates. It reduces onboarding cost and helps to ensure all operators have the same base level of knowledge of the equipment, safety procedures, and daily tasks. There are five clear benefits that the innovation provides. It allows for safer operations through increased training and continuous improvement. There's less damage to equipment during training and the actual use of the equipment. As a consequence, training costs are lowered due to the virtual environment, and it's a much more sustainable method of training, which reduces the overall CO2 footprint. And last but not least, with the connected fleet insights that we currently have, we can continue to simulate actual operations through the use of machine learning. And we've got some concrete proof points for the benefits case from initial pilots that we've completed. And case in point, with one of our customers, we were able to reduce or we were able to increase first pass certification rates from 45 to 95 percent. We've reduced the onboarding time by 25 percent, so going from eight weeks to six weeks, and that's enabled a 50 percent reduction in training costs and a significant improvement in profit per operator, all of which we and our customers are excited about in terms of the possibilities of helping them continue to be safer, more productive, and more sustainable with this latest innovation. So on to the numbers. So as I talked about earlier, we, had, we certainly experienced our typical seasonality and order intake, and that combined with a few uh, delays in decision makings where a couple of orders pushed to the right, which we expect to convert in the quarter, uh, resulted in a year-over-year -year decrease in order intake of 311 million euros. Keep in mind, last year's Q3 was a bit of a tough comparable as we had a pre-buy effect from one of our last price increases in October of last year. So that was against a, a prior year quarter of 425 million euros. However, we continue to have a, quite a strong order book. Uh, we're over or at about 900 million euros. Now, we still continue to see a significant impact from inflation combined with long lead times. And of course, uh, interest rates are still uh, causing many of our customers to be in a wait and see mode but we still feel good about the level of the order book that we have uh, within the business. Then moving to sales, how did we convert the backlog? Uh, sales uh, progressed quite nicely. It's the fourth quarter in a row. We're over 400 million in sales. So within the quarter, we have 420 million euros. That's compared to last year's quarter, 378 million. That's an 11% increase. It was 15% increase in comparable currencies. And services continues to develop nicely. We saw a 7% increase in services sales with the slight decline sequentially in equipment sales. This resulted in 27% of sales from services. So we're quite happy about that. And that's a consequence that I mentioned at the outset, strong operational execution, both in our product supply centers as well as our uh, customer support centers. Supply chain continues to improve in terms of internal lead times. However, we still are challenged by the occasional missing component but the team has uh, responded quite nicely um, to each and every one of those challenges with good support from our customers. And then as a consequence of the increase in volume, as well as a uh, sequentially, as well as a year-over-year -year nice improvement in, in uh, gross margin, we saw a good development in profitability year-over-year -year at 62 million euros compared to prior year 50 million. So for a 24% increase, and that uh, resulted in 14.7% uh, operating margin against 13.1% in the last year. In comparable currencies, it was slightly um, higher in absolute terms, but uh, similar in terms of relative terms. So quite, um, quite nice job from the team in terms of managing the continued inflationary pressures. I can say that our pricing is roughly at par with our cost development. So, uh, so we're pleased about that. And so with that, I'll turn it back over to Casimir to take you through the CalMar results. So then going to CalMar Q3, um, as mentioned before, a mixed demand picture. Um, on the distribution side of our business, um, softer order intake, but on the, on the other hand, in the mobile equipment, for example, uh, very strong order intake in, in, in Q3. So a very mixed picture, and of course, we need to respond to that uh, as part of the cost savings program as well. Uh, 
we have been successful in, in managing in inflationary pressures, uh, and that can be seen in, in the result. Uh, and then I'll come back to a bit later uh, what we have done uh, around EV and our EV strategy and strengthening our position uh, going forward in, in that area. So very uh, mixed demand picture. Um, then again, slower decision-making in a similar fashion as, as Scott was referring to uh, in, in our high business. Similar patterns can be seen in the Kalmar. And again, uh, mainly uh, then uh, decision-making slower regarding our more expensive uh, equipment. But uh, in small and mid-sized terminals, we see good uh, demand and, and our mobile equipment uh, had a strong Q3. Uh, as on cargo tech level here in Kalmar as well, the order book remained uh, on a good level and, and uh, covering quite nicely uh, to a large extent next year's sales. That said, uh, we started to see some impact on the sale uh, side due to the lower order intake over the last quarters, uh, but again above uh, 500 million euros in sales in, in, in Q3 is, is still a, a, a strong quarter for um, Kalmar. Profitability on a very good level uh, here again, uh, several quarters in a, in a row. Uh, some elements of a favorable sales mix, some elements in a similar fashion that we have in the second, had in the second quarter around that we were able to uh, produce a bit more uh, than maybe expected and, and could deliver to the customers a bit more than expected uh, towards the end of the quarter. Uh, and then, of course, on the, on the positive side, impacting um, the results is that heavy grain losses, again, uh, going down compared to the historical quarters. And then, uh, last but not least, from a calmer perspective, um, we have uh, acquired uh, the product rights of uh, the electric terminal tractor product line from Lone Star Specialty Vehicles. This will, of course, uh, push our ambitions forward in the EV uh, development. We are continuing uh, our own EV development project as well. And then after rigorous testing, uh, then together with our customers, uh, we'll later come back to uh, when we can allow, launch that part uh, as well. But this is strengthens our uh, presence uh, in the EV development uh, now. Um, then uh, that will not have a, a great impact in, 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 in 23, but of course we expect sales from this uh, transaction then in 24 and onwards. Uh, with that said, uh, I will give the word now to our CFO. Uh, Mikko Puolakka. Puolakka will then first go through McGregor and, and then after that uh, our numbers on CargoTech level. So the floor is yours, Mikko. Thank you, Kasimir. And good morning also from my side. Uh, before going to CargoTech financials, let's have a look on McGregor, which uh, had actually a very solid order intake, uh, like McGregor has had uh, during the uh, already previous uh, five quarters. We saw a, a very good ordering activity in the merchant vessels like car carriers, heavy lifting vessels and uh, Navy vessels. Uh, Clarkson actually has upgraded the uh, 2023 merchant vessel contracting now recently to uh, 1,549 vessels and the previous estimate was uh, 1,316. So just indicating the good ordering activity, especially on the merchant vessel area. Demand for services was also very good, uh, both in merchant and offshore. We have been very selective in taking offshore orders, not to take that kind of orders which would compromise the offshore turnaround, what we are currently working on. McGregor's order book is 993 million euros uh, at the end of September. Uh, this is uh, providing, of course, good basis for 2024, but uh, good to remember also that part of this order book will be delivered uh, over 25 and even uh, year 26. 
McGregor sales growth came primarily from merchant and service, uh, also supported by the strong order intake during the past quarters. Uh, and like we have said earlier, we should now see uh, higher revenues in the second half of, uh, of uh, 2023, supported by, by the order book. McGregor's comparable operating profit was uh, 9 million euros. This improvement came from merchant and service volume growth. And then also McGregor has been working on fixed cost savings coming, coming from the ongoing restructuring programs. The offshore business is still loss making. However, we made in quarter three 2 million euros uh, smaller loss in that business uh, compared to the previous year. Without the McGregor offshore, uh, uh, business, McGregor comparable operating profit in quarter three would have been 10%. So uh, even with uh, fairly modest uh, revenues at the moment, McGregor without the loss making offshore business could, uh, could make uh, uh, 10% uh, comparable operating profit. Uh, you saw also in our interim report that we released uh, the 18 million euros uh, provision, which was related to the US uh, export control legal case. And uh, due to that reason, McGregor's quarter three operating profit was 24 million euros. As uh, Casimir also already mentioned, uh, McGregor restructuring programs uh, uh, are continuing. Uh, we are targeting in overall over 20 million euros uh, cost savings compared to 2022 cost level and uh, 14 million euros is expected to materialize already this year. A couple of highlights on Cargotex overall financials. Uh, we have still exceptionally high order book, uh, almost 3.1 billion euros. Uh, in Kalmar's case, uh, we are still talking about uh, 6 to 12 months uh, delivery times. Uh, in Hayab's case, uh, uh, the order book is covering over six months uh, of, of sales, so still uh, longer than, than a kind of normal, normal situation. The eco-portfolio sales grew 13 uh, percent. This is twice as fast of the, uh, compared to the total sales, so nice in line with our long-term sustainability strategy. All-time high quarterly cash flow 184 million euros and also our year-to-date cash flow is the highest in uh, Cargotex history. Our core businesses, Kalmar and Hayev, uh, continue to deliver very strong profitability in quarter three, supported by, by the volume growth and then actions to manage the inflationary pressures. And also our ROSI uh, was now at the end of September 14.8%. Uh, Here uh, we are still to certain extent burdened by the quarter four last year, McGregor significant one of uh, bookings, but uh, showing the nice, uh, nice improvement uh, uh, supported by uh, profitability improvement of uh, all three business areas. Like mentioned, uh, all-time high quarterly cash flow, uh, there were basically two main drivers for our high cash flow in quarter three. Very strong uh, uh, quarter three EBITDA, and then we were able to release uh, 96 million euros from accounts receivables. Our inventories are still on a high level, uh, uh, approximately 1.1 billion euros. Uh, inventories went down by 12 million euros during the quarter. But for example, in working progress and in goods in uh, transit, we have still over 400 million euros, indicating the supply chain situation. Our financial position is very, very strong and has continued to strengthen. Uh, the gearing improvement uh, came from very strong quarter three cash flow. Uh, with the current uh, EBITDA generation, we could basically repay our interest bearing debt uh, within eight months. Our average interest rate is 2.8%. Uh, it was 2.1% uh, when we started the year. Uh, this increase is coming from the market, uh, market rate uh, in, uh, increases. Our committed uh, liquidity is uh, 780 million euros at the moment. Uh, it consists of uh, uh, 450 million euros of cash and then unused committed revolving credit facility of 330 million euros. 
And we reiterate our 2023 financial guidance uh, as a reminder. We expect uh, core businesses, meaning Kalmar and Hayab minus the group costs, uh, to improve uh, from last year's 384 million euros. And then McGregor comparable operating profit, uh, uh, we expect to, to, to be positive. So with that one, then I open the floor for questions. Thank you, Mikko. Also welcome Casimir and Scott back to the stage. And with that, operator, we are ready for the Q&A. If you wish to ask a question, please dial star five on your telephone keypad to enter the queue. If you wish to withdraw your question, please dial star five again on your telephone keypad. The next question comes from Antti Kansanen from SEB. Please go ahead. Hi guys, it's uh, Antti from SCB. Thanks for taking my questions. I'll take them one by one. First, to say a question on, on the fact that you referred that on the more expensive product categories, you are seeing some hesitation. So is this more kind of related to the uh, interest rates that clients are hesitant to uh, do any bigger CapEx investments? Or is there kind of a feeling that these product categories the pricing is a bit too high and, and kind of the steel price is rolling over and so forth. And, and kind of relation to that, are you seeing on the input cost side something that would allow you kind of to lower your prices going forward while maintaining solid gross margins? Thank you. Yeah, I can. Hey, Auntie, good morning. Uh, so I can start on the HEAB side. What I would say is, is that it's definitely much more to do with the interest rates. And so therefore the cost of financing and then the time frame, of course, is stretched out. Um, in terms of the, uh, the cost side, uh, the second question, uh, as we've stated before, what we see is, is that yes, commodity prices came down somewhat. Uh, however, that was offset by an increase in energy costs, which uh, should be easing. Uh, it looks to be easing over time. And then uh, now under pressure again with the latest uh, events in the, and that's occurred in the Middle East. Uh, but labor rates um, more or less offset the, uh, the commodity price um, deflation. So we haven't yet seen the, the cost side uh, come in as, uh, as we originally anticipated coming into the year. Yes, thanks, Antti, for the question. From, uh, from a Kalmar perspective, uh, I mean, similar um, topics are there and, and plus uh, in, in some areas, uh, for example, in terminal tractors, we can see some destocking uh, from, from uh, the high orders and, and high deliverables that we have seen over the last quarters. Um, so, so that is slowing down uh, a bit the activity, but the uh, main part of, of that is the interest, the high, high interest rate compared to to the history that is slowing down decision making. So that's, uh, that's the main one. All right, very clear. Then the second question is on, on McGregor and, and thanks for providing clarity on, on how the uh, ex-offshore business is, is doing, but how much, uh, can you give some numbers on how much offshore business you still have left in terms of share of backlog or kind of revenues that you expect to book in, in 24, 25, any color on that would be appreciated. Yeah, I mean, uh, overall, of course, uh, we are not uh, discontinuing the whole offshore, offshore business. Uh, uh, there is still uh, opportunities to, to develop that business further, but uh, we have been very restrictive uh, with the orders in order to make sure that we take only in orders where where we are kind of technically on uh, solid ground and where we can see that uh, uh, project margins are on a sufficient uh, level. There is still uh, uh, tens of millions of euros of uh, order book in, uh, in, in the offshore, offshore business. The offshore business made uh, 8 million euros comparable operating profit loss, loss in, in quarter three, 2 million euros uh, smaller than than year ago. And uh, we continue to work on further improving it, ultimately taking it to the positive side. Yes, and we have earlier referred to, we have roughly 20 projects of, of let's say, mid-sized projects to a large extent. Um, those are produced during this year, a handful of them um, next year. So in that sense, our risk in the offshore is gradually going down quarter by quarter. 
All right. And then the last one uh, from me was a bit of a technicality regarding to the savings uh, program and the 10 million that you are targeting on a group level. I mean, one would also assume that given kind of the demerger plans, there's a bit of a need to add kind of corporate functions because because of the listing of Kalmar and so forth. So is this a, a gross or a net number? And, and, and it seems a bit high given that, that kind of the group costs have been ranging between 40 and 45 million. So how should one think about the uh, kind of a net impact? Uh, basically, this is uh, our group cost as is, so uh, this does not assume any kind of uh, uh, hirings. If there would be hirings, and there will be some hirings as the uh, uh, Kalmar demerger process uh, continues, but those hirings will be then in Kalmar, Kalmar costs. Uh, we have not uh, disclosed yet any uh, disunergy number, but uh, we are... Uh, quite uh, confident that we can uh, we can manage the disunities in a in a in a good uh, manner going going forward uh, so this 10 million is purely uh, related to the group cost as is uh, today today uh, constructed uh, uh, this is coming from various uh, activities we are putting putting on hold uh, or stopping at the moment due to the ongoing uh, demerger uh, process and, and so we are first uh, of January entering to holding company mode uh, regarding Cargotex. So there are activities that um, we have taken out from from uh, from our future uh, in that sense that that we are not on Cargotex level anymore uh, actively um, investing in in in. in uh, in development, for example, in on the IT side and so forth, and uh, otherwise also the activity level has been taken down, and where we're going into a holding company mode, and more and more of the functions uh, and the work around the functions and development of functions is is, is uh, happening than in Kalmar, Hayab, and, and McGregor. Uh, so it's partly taking down the level of act activities in and investments uh, on Cargotech level and performing uh, as a stock-listed company uh, all the duties uh, continues as normally, but but in a holding company mode. Okay, and then the final technicality regarding the savings, is this 50 million fully in, in 24, I mean, uh, all else equally, or EBIT is 50 million higher, or this some kind of a run rate number and the full PNL impact is then kind of a 25. This is uh, this will be visible in 24 uh, in in full. So it's uh, it should be uh, a cost level 50 million euros lower compared to this year's cost level. Everything else kept uh, unchanged. All right, very clear. Thanks so much, all from me. The next question comes from Mikhail Dopel from Nordia. Please go ahead. Good morning, everybody. Uh, just start off with, with a, a brief follow-up on the, on the cost savings. So just to be clear there, uh, these are not really related to the, the spin-off of, of karma. So any synergies uh, that you get from that will be covered by additional cost takeouts. Is, is that the way to, to read it, just to be clear on that? Yeah, I would say that uh, this is just, uh, if we look Cargotech as is, uh, this is uh, a cost saving to address uh, the low order book and uh, low order intake, what we have now seen. And then, uh, of course, when uh, when we have uh, the dissynergies, we are looking uh, additional measures to offset that uh, dissynergy. On that topic of, of Kalmar spin-off, uh, just if you could give an update on how that project is proceeding now, or, and if you have any any updates on the timetable, would be great. I mean, uh, as such, the whole project is proceeding according to plan, and and um, uh, we are earliest coming back to this topic then in, as part of Q4 and 2023 uh, release early next year with any any updates earliest then, but uh, all in all regarding the uh, IT streams, legal streams, uh, listing readiness streams and all that we are preparing, 
uh, is progressing according to plan and, and all in all very happy with the performance of the full team. Um, we have uh, roughly 200 people involved in, in the project. Uh, so it, it is, of course, a, a complex exercise with a lot of work streams, but very pleased with the performance and, and uh, everything going according to plan so far. And then just the final question uh, before we get back in the queue. So, so just in terms of, of demand, how do you see that demand environment evolving in the Q4, you know, overall? across your, your business segments. Any incremental slowdown in sight? Uh, I think you mentioned deep stocking in some products. Is that going to continue? Any regions that are sticking out? You know, any color you could give there would be, would be helpful, thanks. Yeah, sure. Uh, in terms of HEAB, I don't, we don't expect to see significant sequential changes in those three factors that I've talked about each of the last two, three quarters that are impacting the order intake. We still see those um, valid. I think in the prior quarter, I was asked about the difference in the demand um, patterns between, let's say, Europe and North America. That still on balance remains unchanged as well. Slightly more negative in Europe, slightly more positive in North America, about unchanged for us in APAC. Uh, so we expect to see that, um, relatively speaking, continue forward uh, sequentially into the next quarter. On the Kalmar side, uh, we expect a similar pattern as, as here in Q3. So, so um, again, uh, we expect that the good uh, order intake will continue on the mobile equipment side and, and um, we foresee a similar uh, softness in the market on the more, in the more expensive product ranges going into, into Q4. So on that level, that's our expectations. Then how it how it will look like uh, in in uh, in early next year is too too early to say. McGregor's case uh, very similar kind of big picture. So merchant uh, market uh, continues to be active. Uh, we have uh, we continue to see good demand in services, and uh, we will be selective with the offshore orders. Uh, brief follow-up on, on the de-stocking you mentioned. I mean, how do you see that evolving? Will that be an issue for you still in, in Q4? I think you may mention terminal tractor tractors, right? So will that still be, be a headwind for you in Q4 or even in 2024? How, how, do you, how do you see that? Uh, I think, uh, as mentioned before, I think that uh, situation will remain uh, in Q4 in a similar way as in, in, in Q3. So we don't see any changes as such um, to that. But it is uh, in that business, uh, the, the order intake is, is clearly on a lower level than, than compared to the, to the past. Or should we take the next next question? I'm, I'm, I just said that, that that was all for me. So, so thank thank you very much. You can take thanks, Michael. Thank you, Michael. The next question comes from Ponu Leighton Markey from Danske Bank. Please go ahead. Hi. Uh, thanks. I have a few questions. Firstly, starting from the orders. Um, uh, how much was, a, was the price changed in, in Q3? And if we think about kind of volume terms, how, how much did they change compared to one or two years ago? Um, thanks for the question. We, as uh, communicated before, over the last two years, we have increased prices by roughly 20%, and we haven't made, made any adjustments to those prices here during 2023. So, so, I mean, that, that implies quite significant volume decline uh, to uh, the past two years level. So do you, do you think this is like the trough in demand or do you think it's too early to say? I'm thinking that the kind of year-on-year -year trends were a bit, bit less, less negative than in, in Q2. So do you kind of see stable at the low level or further declining or, or maybe made a kind of some improvement? Scott, do you want to comment that from a higher perspective? 
Yeah, just to reiterate uh, what I had replied earlier question, um, we don't expect to see significant changes to demand um, in terms of the factors sequentially. <clears throat> so I think too early to tell at this point whether um, this is the bottom or not. Um, but we see, we see actually uh, quite good level of stability uh, in the first three quarters of this year and even back to uh, third or uh, the fourth quarter last year. So I think too early to call on our side. Similar in, in, in Kalmar, um, too early to, to say um, anything around, around Q4 and, and Q1 as such. But uh, I mean, in, in the different businesses, uh, we can see some stabil, stabilizing um, levels, even though they, again, differ quite a lot from each other within Kalmar. Okay. Um, thanks. Then uh, on the order book, can you kind of give an indication how how much of the order book will be delivered in 24? Like uh, how much of that carries into 24? That uh, let's come back to to that uh, when we are when we are uh, uh, publishing our quarter four results. Uh, uh, like Casimir said earlier, out of this three point, close to 3.1 billion euros, still it covers a, uh, a very good part of next year's sales ex expectations. So, so definitely a, a good basis for next year. Okay, thanks. Maybe a final one, just on the kind of timing of the, of the cost savings announcement. I, I recall that you have previously communicated that you have plans to keep the margin at, at 10% even in a, in a downturn and uh, it, it seems that you are now taking action but I mean was this more like uh, you saw the Q3 orders were, were down so now is the time to do something or um, just just thinking of the timing like why do you do it now and, and not earlier or wait, wait a bit later. Thanks very good question I mean we of course uh, have a somewhat of a luxury in the business that we can see so far far ahead regarding the order backlog for for next year uh, then of course now when we see the patterns more clearly that we have uh, order intake softer in some divisions in in high and in some in in Kalmar and then we have of course uh, working on a turnaround in McGregor offshore uh, those are the bases that we have had uh, taking this these actions. Um, so I would say clear signs that there are differences with, between the order intake between different divisions and and this was now maybe the second quarter where we saw those differences and, and uh, then we, we react um, early enough so that we, we can be on, on, on above 10% uh, operating profit in the core businesses also going forward. Okay, thank you. That's all from me. The next question comes from Tommy Raylo from DNB. Please go ahead. Hi, this is uh, Tommy from DNB. Uh, also trying to uh, get a little bit uh, your assumptions in terms of the uh, order activity or demand uh, levels uh, connected to the uh, to the cost savings actions, uh, is this sort of a, a 900 million quarterly level? Is it uh, is it uh, a bottom, or are you preparing for lower levels, 800 million per quarter, or what's the sort of the big high-level assumption behind the, the the cost savings in terms of activity? We have, we have taken uh, the decisions based on the on the cost saving based on on the order intake that we had have or, over the previous quarters. Uh, so we're responding um, according, accordingly. And, and again, um, important to, to show that we take actions early enough so we can stay on a healthy and good level uh, regarding the profitability also going forward. Um, and, and again, uh, for the core businesses, the target is to remain over 10% operating profit going forward. And based on your divisional commentary earlier, higher than Kalmar, similar to, to the uh, third quarter levels, uh, 
it sounds that uh, 900 million is uh, is sort of a, uh, a stable level what you see for the fourth quarter. If you can comment any any backing in, uh, there in, in terms of uh, pipeline or how has the fourth quarter started also. I mean, overall, overall, if we look uh, look the sales pipeline, uh, also what uh, Scott and Casimir uh, commented, uh, the customer activity uh, or uh, RFQ, RFQ activity, activity is on a good level. So we do not necessarily anticipate uh, kind of a worsening of the situation from the current current level. It's a very similar kind of behavior uh, what we have uh, so far seen also in quarter four compared to the uh, previous previous quarters. Of course, it's good to remember that our comparis- comparison periods uh, to, to last year have been on a very high level. So, uh, but if we are looking looking the sequential uh, development uh, of orders in, in our core businesses, that has been that has been uh, on a on a stable level. Thank you. And uh, then maybe a question on 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 the guidance. Uh, you are already uh, actually tracking uh, above uh, last year's uh, full year uh, clean EBITDA on the on the core businesses uh, uh, for, for the nine months. Uh, any kind of a comment or visibility? Uh, you have uh, for the fourth quarter should we anticipate uh, uh, seasonal typical seasonal improvement uh, from the profit levels uh, going into into the fourth quarter yeah overall if we look the quarter quarter four from a core business point of view it's good to remember that uh, we start in the core businesses uh, the quarter with the lower order book than we started a year ago so uh, like in Kalmar's case that uh, impacted uh, quarter three revenues and uh, and uh, the kind of starting order book is is uh, important uh, for the quarter four uh, why we have not uh, specified more in detail our outlook uh, for the remaining part of the year uh, is uh, due to the fact that uh, there are still uh, supply chain challenges even though the component availability has been improving quarter after quarter also the truck availability continues still to be an issue for high up uh, so from that point of view uh, there are here and there uh, deliveries uh, which we have experienced in quarter three and most probably we experience also in quarter four uh, delays in in deliveries due to these uh, uh, mentioned reasons yes and on top of that uh, now the the planned cost savings program um, we anticipate that that will impact Q4 from a cost side, but too early to say we start the union negotiations basically now and and too early to say how much of those costs will impact Q4 and how much will be taken in, in, in Q1. So there are uh, some uncertainties in that areas as well. Thanks. And the final question on the, uh, on the split. Uh, uh, Listening to your comments, it sounds that you really haven't had any any second thoughts. Uh, if the market uh, conditions are, are, are weak uh, or weakening, that you would uh, back off uh, from the from the split. Uh, that's what I, uh, how I uh, hear it. But my question is actually on the McGregor side. Any interest uh, anywhere? I know that you are focusing on the turnaround uh, and not uh, in a way a process uh, to find a solution. But uh, has there been any? Any interest uh, uh, for the for the business uh, uh, potential deal or also? I mean, as mentioned as mentioned before, we are fully focusing on the turnaround of of McGregor. Now we can see two quarters in a row where we are on the positive side. So a lot of good work done, and and uh, really happy to see the the change here. Um, and again, merchant and service performing already on a on a good level and and uh, we are working on the offshore th- side and continue on the offshore side to make sure that we can turn that around as a, as a separate business as well and uh, the market is good in merchant we have a good order backlog going into to 24 um, we still feel that uh, we need uh, a few more quarters uh, with uh, positive development in the turnaround and and as said in in uh, the q to report that uh, we will then look in the second half of 24 for uh, 
solutions for, for McGregor. Thank you. The next question comes from Tom Skogman from Carnegie. Please go ahead. Yes, good morning. This is Tom from Carnegie. I wonder whether there are any kind of excess inventories of dealers at the moment, perhaps not only your product, but also Palafinger products for, for IAB and, and competitive products also for Kalmar. Yeah, good morning, Tom. So in terms of the uh, the inventory levels, they're certainly higher than pre-COVID, um, largely due to the extended truck lead times. Uh, once the uh, once we see some relief from the truck lead times, which we're, uh, uh, depending upon the OEM and geography, seeing a little bit, we expect for the inventory levels then to come down. Um, so certainly, uh, the I think quick answer to your question is they're higher than pre-COVID level. Similar okay, can, in can you really confirm that it's really related to already ordered trucks or have dealers ordered uh, cranes from you and, and Palfinger and they are now sitting with them, you know, without any end orders? Yeah, I, I can't really give more color on uh, the, the composition of the inventory, how much is uh, is excess inventory and reduced activity level because we're not seeing that in our connected data as such, Tom, but certainly uh, can provide color relative to um, waiting on truck chassis in order to complete the installation. And for Kalmar? I mean, uh, similar pattern in that sense that, yes, the inventory levels are, are higher compared to pre-COVID levels and and uh, as Mikko mentioned here before in in some areas we're lacking some components and and that increases our inventory levels uh, and and also goods in 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 transit um so uh, higher level than than uh, pre-covid but then again we're expecting over time that that will uh, get back to or let's say that levels will normalize over time but a bit too early to say when that will happen and we have uh, we have had in in the US in in like Casimir mentioned in the terminal tractors uh, customers have had uh, in some areas uh, higher inventories and they are now doing certain destocking activities uh, in in the coming coming months. All right, thank you. And then looking at McGregor, did you take any restructuring charges in the third quarter that were not booked as an EU item in the third quarter? Uh, to clarify, so what we have said earlier is that uh, in, uh, in, uh, in core businesses, when we are now doing this 50 million euros uh, cost savings program, we are booking the non-recurring costs uh, related to that uh, program above comparable operating profit uh, that is estimated to be approximately 20 million, but timing, like Casimir said, is still dependent on the Works Council negotiations. We will, of course, uh, also disclose and open, open in our quarterly uh, financial statements uh, and interim reports uh, how much this kind of non-recurring costs uh, we have had in Kalmar and Hayab. Uh, what comes to MacGregor, these MacGregor activities are stemming from uh, initiatives which were originally already put in place uh, in 2022, and they are more related to the structural changes in the offshore business mainly. And uh, these costs we are booking uh, uh, below the comparable operating profit under the restructuring cost line. And what was the large positive EU item in MacGregor in the third quarter? Uh, this was uh, related to the 18 million euros provision release. This provision was uh, related to a uh, US uh, uh, export control uh, case, uh, legal, legal case, uh, which uh, we were able to close uh, successfully and uh, no kind of additional costs were uh, uh, charged uh, to us uh, for that and we were able to release that provision in full. We made this provision in 2022 and uh, and now released it in September. And then I look at service sales. How large share of your service sales in Hayab and Kalmar relate to installation of products? 
i.e. things that will come down when new equipment sales come down next year. Yeah, this uh, insulation share has gone up, uh, of course, this year over year uh, as a consequence of the increase in the equipment sales. Um, we don't see a material impact uh, whatsoever to the margin, Tom. I'm not talking about the margin. I'm talking about the service sales yeah. relating to installation of equipment. How, yeah. how large is that? Um, we don't disclose that uh, level of detail on the service sales, Tom. It can be found on your level in our uh, investor presentation. So ah, okay. you can check it. There is roughly 10% uh, around. Okay, and then finally, are there any kind of ideas that you would like to do acquisitions now when I guess price tags come down considerably given that you are in this demerger process? You have a good balance sheet, and if you sell McGregor, I mean, you, you know that you will be able to get some money from that as well. I mean, uh, all in all, uh, the M&A strategy um, is uh, strong, particularly on the high up side. And, and of course, uh, as always, we're looking at different targets um, and, and especially on, on, on the high up side. Uh, in Kalmar, there's more focus operationally, internally at the moment. Uh, and of course, then in McGregor, we are focusing on the, on the turnaround in, in offshore. So um, the, the, the demerger plans as such doesn't uh, prevent us from moving uh, when we see something interesting in the market to, to the right price levels. Uh, perhaps I should also just ask about the manufacturing footprint. Now we have a, a, a clear downturn in volumes and you have still some smaller factories. I realize, I mean, you acquired the Esper business and now you say, for instance, that, that volumes in orders are down considerably for large high up cranes. Do you consider doing something to the manufacturing footprint this downturn? Yeah, we continue to uh, evaluate all those options, Tom, so we'll continue to do so moving forward. And as part of the cost savings programs, there are parts uh, in there um, that are reduction of, of uh, floor space in regarding offices and, and warehouses and so forth. So that's uh, that element is in the cost savings program as well. Okay, thank you. The next question comes from Erki Vesela from Indiers. Please go ahead. Hi guys, it's Erki from Indiers. Just a couple of questions from me. First, just to clarify, the annual savings, will that 50 million euro drop, uh, fully drop through to EBIT uh, when it has materialized? Correct. It will it will come to EBIT. Uh, so if our costs would be would be uh, for example, it's basically it's basically so that uh, this 50 million is uh, compared to 2023 cost level. Our fixed cost would be 50 million euros lower in 24. So it's 50 million plus on on EBIT level, so to speak. This is uh, also to support uh, the kind of uh, profitability. Uh, of course, we have not yet disclosed what uh, do we expect for next year's revenues. But uh, like Casimir said, uh, this is to offset uh, certain uh, certain lower order book and lower, lower order intake what we have seen now in the coming quarters. And then uh, another clarification: Is this uh, 50 million? It's not a run rate at some point of time. It will be fully visible in 24 PL. Fully visible in uh, 24 in the fixed costs of uh, of Kalmar uh, and Hayab. Okay, thanks. And then another one uh, regarding the heavy cranes business in Kalmar. Uh, what was the impact of, of the heavy cranes in terms of sales and sales and EBIT? And how long will Kalmar still have this drag in the coming quarters? Yeah, the heavy heavy cranes revenues were uh, low double digit uh, low double digit uh, revenue in quarter three, and uh, the profitability was uh, a low double digit uh, couple of million euros loss uh, in in quarter three, two million euros smaller loss compared to last year's quarter three. 
and, and how have, much you are, uh, yeah and the order book order book is eight million euros at the moment most of that will be delivered this year okay very good thank you so much The next question comes from Antti Kansanen from SEB. Please go ahead. Yeah, hi, thanks for the uh, follow-up question opportunity. This was all for, for Scott on, on the availability of the truck chassis. So could you talk a bit more about how, is this a very unchanged picture from the previous quarters? I mean, if you look at the uh, products that are relevant for, for high, uh, is the situation improving? And what's kind of realistic in your point of view? going forward to expect that, that that the truck makers delivery times would start to normalize what needs to happen so forth so a bit more clarity on this yeah we see that uh, still remaining on balance stable uh sequentially as i mentioned earlier a few markets and a few oems where we see improvements uh in most others uh, other markets the uh, the lead time still remain quite extended compared to pre-covid uh i think the indications are uh, and it's early to tell at this point, but the indications are that should uh, start to normalize uh, moving forward. But it's hard to tell uh, timing-wise on our side. We just don't have that level of insight when the order books will be fully open uh, and stay open on the on the side of all of the OEMs. But uh, we would expect that the uh, the lead times to start to normalize moving forward. And you kind of feel that with this kind of underlying demand and workload for your and clients your orders would actually be higher at this point of time if the truck lead times would be let's say normal that's all indications are uh, that that's a good assumption if you had lead times that were normal uh and then combined with uh easing of interest rates um then those seem to be two of the biggest factors that uh, that has created uh, uh, a more um, challenging situation on the order side uh, do you think kind of higher if we look at the order book it's still roughly six six months of revenues and prior to covid it, it was usually between three four something like that do you think you will go back to kind of the previous business model where the lead times are are quite short and and the backlog is is relative to sales it, it it's it's smaller or it, has the business changed yeah, we would expect to see uh, at some point in time a return roughly to pre-COVID levels. We wouldn't see any reason to think differently at this point, but timing-wise, is, it is difficult to tell. Uh, and as Miko mentioned earlier, we certainly will come revisit that point when we do the full year report uh, in early next year. All right. Thank you. The next question comes from Mikhail Dopel from Nordia. Please go ahead. Follow up uh, on the on the. So Mikhail, your line is bad. Yeah, can you hear me now? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Good. Sorry about that. So just had a had a quick follow up on the on the total uh, cost base. Uh, going into next year so if you look at your your full cost base and, and if you exclude the plant savings so the underlying base what are your expectations heading into next year so do you expect you know on balance higher flat or maybe lower overall cost when you consider all the key items like raw materials wage inflation and and so on any comments on that i guess what we have uh referred to earlier that if you look back uh, a year or two um, and we expected that raw materials would increase and they did and, and we expected um, the interest rate to, to increase as well and then we have the uh, salary costs we expected those to increase and then you have the, the logistics costs as well um, and then uh, what has been a, a positive development is that okay, raw materials have, have come down uh, and so has the logistic cost. But then uh, on the other side of the coin is, is that we, uh, we still have a lack of some components where, where the prices are quite high. Uh, and then we have the salary increases that were clearly higher than we expected. So I guess all in all those pluses and minuses are balancing each other 
out to a large extent. Uh, that's uh, how we refer to the to this topic in Q2, and I don't think we have changed our minds after after Q3 either. Yeah. So, yeah. so that's roughly how it looks uh, in in uh, in our business. And and again, uh, then on top of that, we have the interest rate component here that that of course uh, has impacted uh, our business and our customers' businesses, uh, like in in almost any other industry. Thank you. That, that's all I had. There are no more questions at this time, so I hand the conference back to the speakers. Okay. Thank you for the great questions and for the great answers. We will be back with our full year results release next year. Thank you very much. Thank, Thank you. you.